Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Come for the science, stay for the stories. For news, interviews, videos, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org. This week, we'll hear how DNA from archaic humans helped modern humans survive as they moved out of Africa. Early human history was a promiscuous affair. When modern humans spread out of Africa 50,000 years ago, they met other species that looked a lot like them. These were Neanderthals and Denisovans, two groups of archaic humans that shared an ancestor with us 600,000 years earlier. This motley mix of humans coexisted in Europe for at least 2,500 years. Now we know that they interbred, leaving a lasting legacy in our DNA. The DNA of non-Africans is roughly 1-2% to Neanderthal DNA, and some Asian populations have up to 6% Denisovan DNA. Recently, scientists have dug deeper into the Neanderthal and Denisovan parts of our genomes and come to a surprising conclusion. Certain Neanderthal and Denisovan genes seem to have swept through modern human populations. This suggests that these genes brought great advantage to their bearers and spread rapidly. Joshua Akey, a geneticist at the University of Washington, said in some spots of our genome, we are more Neanderthal than human. He said it seems clear that some of the sequences we inherited from archaic humans were adaptive. They helped us survive and reproduce. But what exactly do these pieces of Neanderthal and Denisovan DNA do? What advantage do they give our ancestors? Scientists are starting to figure this out. Some of these genes are tied to our immune system, our skin and hair, and perhaps our metabolism and tolerance for cold weather. All of these might have helped humans leaving Africa survive in new lands. Rasmus Nielsen, an evolutionary biologist at UC Berkeley, said what allowed us to survive came from other species. It's not just noise, he said. It's a very important part of who we are. The Tibetan Plateau is a vast stretch of high-altitude land isolated by massive mountain ranges. Oxygen levels there are about 40% lower than at sea level. People who move there suffer higher rates of miscarriage, blood clots, and stroke because they make extra blood cells to feed their oxygen-starved tissue. Native Tibetans, however, manage just fine. They don't make as many red blood cells as the rest of us would at high altitudes, which helps to protect their health. In 2010, scientists discovered that Tibetans owe their low oxygen tolerance in part to a variant in a gene called EPAS1. About 90% of the Tibetan population carry the high-altitude variant, but it's completely absent from a database of 1,000 human genomes from other populations. In 2014, Nielsen and colleagues found that Tibetans, or their ancestors, probably got the unusual DNA sequence from Denisovans. This was a group of early humans more closely related to Neanderthals than to us. The unique gene thrived in those living at high altitudes and faded away in descendants who moved to less harsh environments. Sriram Sankaramarman, a geneticist and computer scientist at UCLA, said this trait is one of the clearest examples of how interbreeding can lead to adaptation. Adaptive introgression is the idea that closely related species can benefit from interbreeding. As a species expands into a new territory, it faces a whole new set of challenges, different climate, food, predators, and diseases. Species can adapt through traditional natural selection, where mutations that happen to be helpful gradually spread through the population. But such mutations are rare, making it a very slow process. A faster option is to mate with species that have already adapted to the region and co-opt some of their helpful DNA. 
Adaptive introgression is well documented in several species. Some mice have adopted other species' tolerance to pesticides, and some butterflies have adopted other species' wing patterning. But it was difficult to study adaptive introgression in humans until the first Neanderthal genome was sequenced in 2010. Neanderthals and Denisovans would have been a good source of helpful DNA for our ancestors. They had lived in Europe and Asia for hundreds of thousands of years, enough time to adjust to the cold climate, weak sun, and local microbes. Picking up a gene variant from a population that had been there for 300,000 years would be a good way to adapt quickly, Aki said. Neanderthal and Denisovan genes, with the most signs of selection in modern humans, he said, largely have to do with how humans interact with the environment. To find these adaptive segments, scientists search the genomes of present-day humans for regions of archaic DNA. They look for regions that are either more common or longer than expected. Over time, useless pieces of Neanderthal DNA are likely to be lost, and long sections of archaic DNA are likely to be split into smaller segments unless there's selective pressure to keep them intact. In 2014, two groups, one led by Aki, published genetic maps that showed where in our genomes Neanderthal DNA is most likely to be found. To Aki's surprise, both maps found that the most common adaptive Neanderthal-derived genes are those linked to skin and hair growth. One of the most striking examples is a gene called BNC2, which is linked to skin pigmentation and freckling in Europeans. Nearly 70% of Europeans carry the Neanderthal version. Scientists think that BNC2 and other skin genes helped modern humans adapt to northern climates, but it's not clear exactly how. Skin can have many functions, any one of which might have been helpful. Aki gave examples like skin pigmentation, wound healing, pathogen defense, and water loss to the environment. Many things could be driving this, he said. We don't know what differences were most important. One of the deadliest foes that modern humans fought as they moved into new territories was also the smallest, infectious diseases. Janet Kelso, a bioinformatician at the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology, said diseases are one of the strongest selective forces out there. Kelso has identified a large stretch of Neanderthal DNA that may have played a key role in helping modern humans fight off disease. The region spans three different genes that are part of a molecular surveillance system that forms the first line of defense against pathogens. These genes produce proteins called toll-like receptors. They help immune cells detect foreign invaders and trigger the immune system to attack. Modern humans can have several different versions of this stretch of DNA. But at least three of the variants appear to have come from archaic humans, two from Neanderthal and one from Denisovans. To figure out what those variants do, Kelso's team searched for genomic and health data in public databases. They found that people carrying one of the Neanderthal variants are less likely to be infected with a certain microbe that causes ulcers, but they are more likely to suffer from common allergies such as hay fever. Kelso speculates that this variant might have boosted early humans' resistance to different kinds of bacteria. That would have helped modern humans as they colonized new territories. Yet this added resistance came at a price. She said the trade-off was a more sensitive immune system that was more sensitive to non-pathogenic allergens. But she was careful to point out that this is just a theory. At this point, she said, we can hypothesize a lot, but we don't know exactly how this is working. 
Most of the Neanderthal and Denisovan genes found in the modern genome are more mysterious. Scientists have only a vague idea of what these genes do, let alone how the Neanderthal or Denisovan version might have helped our ancestors. Aki said it's important to understand the biology of these genes better to understand what selective pressures were driving the changes we see in present-day populations. A number of studies like Kelso's are trying to link frequent Neanderthal and Denisovan variants in modern humans with specific traits, such as body fat distribution and metabolism. One study of 28,000 people of European descent published in Science in February matched archaic gene variants with data from electronic health records. Overall, Neanderthal variants are linked to higher risk of neurological and psychiatric disorders and lower risk of digestive problems. Most of the data available for these studies are about medical problems. Many of the databases were designed to find genes linked to diseases such as diabetes or schizophrenia. But a few, such as the UK Biobank, are much broader, storing information on participants' vision, cognitive test scores, mental health assessments, lung capacity, and fitness. Direct-to-consumer genetics companies also have large, diverse data sets. For example, 23andMe analyzes users' genetics for clues about ancestry, health risk, and other sometimes bizarre traits, like whether they have a sweet tooth or a unibrow. Of course, not all the DNA we got from Neanderthals and Denisovans was good. The majority was probably not helpful. We tend to have less Neanderthal DNA near genes, suggesting that it was weeded out by natural selection over time. Researchers are very interested in these parts of our genomes where archaic DNA is notably absent. Sankararaman said there are some really big places in the genome with no Neanderthal or Denisovan ancestry as far as we can see. Some process is purging the archaic material from these regions. Perhaps, he said, they are functionally important for modern humans. That was a recap of Emily Singer's story, How Neanderthal DNA Helps Humanity. You're listening to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. I'm Karen Shikurji. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.